One of the most intimidating things that we experience, I think, as Christians is evangelism. When you hear the word evangelism, it can make you have sweaty palms and, and make you think of the most horrible experiences. But also evangelism can make you feel excited. It can get you enthusiastic. It can make you feel encouraged. And so just hearing the word evangelism causes so many emotions inside of us. Uh, but so many times we're left with the question of what is evangelism? It's so broadly defined. Not only what is it, but how do we do it? And so we're going to spend four weeks together over the next five weeks um, talking about what evangelism is. And we're just going to call it evangelism is. And uh, what I hope is over these, this period of time is that you can really have a better understanding of how evangelism fits uh, into your life and, and how it can be an everyday process for you, that it's not this uh, scheduled time that you go and encounter people, but that it can be something greater than that. Um, they did a nationwide study of adults, and this was the American Cultural Faith Institute. And their study discovered that only two out of every ten adults believe that they have a personal responsibility to share the faith, uh, their faith in Christ with others who believe differently. And so if evangelism is not only something we should do, but actually an expectation of Christ, then we need to understand it. As a matter of fact, the first encounter we have with Jesus in the Bible is someone sees him, and immediately they go and tell other people about him, right? They go and invite people to come see him, right? The angel shines over the shepherds and says, come and see this coming king that you've been waiting for for all these years. He's here. And so the first encounter with Jesus is through an invitation. And then I was sitting there thinking as we were singing, when Jesus left, some of the final words he says, one, one is he says the Great Commission, which is that we're to go out and tell the whole world about him, and we're to baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And prior to his ascension into heaven, he has the disciples gathered together. And they're fixing to go into the upper room and just wait for what he's promised them. And he, and he makes this statement prior to going into heaven. He says, and when they had come together, he asked them, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus' final words are, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be the ones inviting people. And so if it's so important that the beginning and end of Jesus' time on earth is about invitation and about evangelism, then it's an important thing for us to understand. And that's what I want to do. When you think about evangelism, to me there's three different categories. There's group evangelism. Uh, we would call that either church or maybe you're standing up teaching a class or you're just in front of a whole group of people and you're sharing Jesus. That's group evangelism. Then we have confrontational evangelism, which can be very difficult if you've ever been a part of it. It's where you confront somebody. A lot of times it's a cold call. You just go to them and you begin to talk about something in their life or maybe it's someone who believes differently and you begin to share Jesus with them. But it can be kind of nerve-wracking if that's the approach you take. The other is relational evangelism. And to me, that's the evangelism that is the easiest for us but also the most important for us. And that's where I just live life with you. And I let you see Jesus in my life, and I share Jesus with you in opportunities, but we do it in a natural setting, in an organic way. 
And so I want to talk about relational evangelism, and I want this series to be about that, how we can live through it each and every day. And so each week, each week I want to give you a challenge and also an encouragement where you can understand what evangelism is. Let's pray, God, thank you this morning for your grace, your love, and your mercy in our life. God, I'm so thankful that you have called us to be uh, the evangelist for you. God, that you have put a word in each and every one of us. You have changed our lives and that you don't want that dormant, but you want to share that with other people. And so today, God, I pray that we are challenged by uh, your words, that we are encouraged in this new path, but also, God, that we feel such a draw to sharing you with other people. And so, Lord, let this be an impactful time for us. Help us to leave here challenged and encouraged, and God, let your spirit flow free this morning. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You know, a pastor gave a message on home evangelism one Sunday. And the family that heard him decided, you know what, this is something that we need to make sure we're doing in our home. And so they decided that they were going to invite a group of friends over to their house to live out what the pastor just preached. And so they begin to prepare all day a meal. And when the family shows up, they said, there's no other way to show them evangelism. We must pray over the food first. And so as they prepare to pray, they look at their five-year-old son, Johnny, and say, Johnny, we want you to lead prayer. And Johnny says, well, what do I say? What do I do? And I said, just say what Dad said this morning. And so Johnny says, oh, God, we've got those bad people coming over to dinner tonight, right? A lot of times we feel like Johnny when somebody says evangelize. What do I do? What do I say? And so we just mimic the things that we see other people do. We don't really understand what it means to evangelize. You know, this week I was asked uh, something unique. A guy came to me and he said, hey, there's this, this young guy that I know. He's convinced he's demon-possessed, and, and I want to see if you would talk to him. Well, that's not something that you just say yes to right away, right? And um, so I said, yeah, I guess I will talk to him. And so um, later that day, the guy came to my office, and we were talking, and... It was, a, it was just a weird time, and uh, I, I finally just drew the conclusion that I think he's crazy, not demon-possessed. Um, but in this process, I kept realizing my inadequacies of saying, I don't even know what to say to this guy. I don't even know what to do. How do I even share Jesus with someone that's just lost their mind like this? What do you do? I think most of you, when you hear evangelism, you maybe have that hopeless feeling. I don't know what to do. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know how to start. Evangelism is a scary thing. And what makes it really scary is to know that you have to do it, but you don't know how to do it. It would be as if I threw you in a pool and said, all right, swim. And you said, I don't even know how to swim. It would be such a scary thing for you. And many times I fail you, other preachers fail, in saying, this is how we do evangelism. We just throw you in the pool and go, evangelize, share your faith. And you go, I don't even know where to begin. And so I want to spend some time talking about how we go through this. Because when we think of evangelism, evangelism, it's always the scariest situation that comes to mind. I'm afraid I'm going to share some, my faith with someone and then they're not going to be my friend anymore. I'm going to share my faith with someone and they're going to physically hurt me. And we run through all these worst case scenarios in our mind of going, if they hear me talk about Jesus, what's going to happen? You know, Google and somehow is able to measure analytics when it comes to evangelism. And in the examination of their analytics for different countries and different continents, um, the continent of Africa was one of the most engaged countries when it came to evangelism. As a matter of fact, 
Ghana was 100% engaged in evangelism. And if you want to know where America fits in comparison to that, on a scale of 1 to 100, we were 11. It's scary. Like, we run through worst-case scenarios in our mind, but the reality is a country who lives a worst-case scenario, a continent who literally faces persecution and physical harm, has a higher evangelism rate than we do in America. And we choose not to because it's just uncomfortable to us. It just makes things awkward if we confront somebody or we share our faith with someone. And so as a result, we look at a decline in Christian culture in our country and go, what's wrong? It's because we don't know how to evangelize. We don't know how to share our faith with people. In order to reach a major goal of evangelism, we have to start somewhere. And that is where I believe we take relationships and we leverage them for Jesus. We take friendships and we leverage them for Jesus. When we look in the Bible, we see a great illustration of this in the book of Acts because we see these amazing testimonials and we watch God do some mighty things through the disciples. But where does it all start? I mean, where did Peter start to become who we know he is? Where did John start? Where did the other disciples start to end up being these amazing evangelists? Every one of them got their start through one simple act, an invitation. An invitation is what evangelism is. An invitation is the simple step of what we do. If you want to turn with me, we'll be in John chapter 1, and we'll start in verse number 35. To give you a, a backstory leading up to this, Um, In the preceding verses, before we get to uh, verse number 35, John the Baptist is speaking with what seems like two unidentified disciples, but we know them to be Andrew and John, the author of that book. And what has happened is Andrew, who has a brother named Simon, we know him as Peter. John has a brother named James. And uh, their families are both in the fishing industry. And not only are they in the fishing industry, but we find in the book of Mark that they're actually in the fishing industry together. And we always look at fishermen in the Bible and go, they're dumb, they don't know what they're doing. But they may not have had the formal education, but they were some pretty smart people. Uh, Fishing was a good industry to be in. And both of their families probably made a very good living doing those things. And so John and Andrew decided that they were going to break away from the family business just to go see who this John the Baptist was and to see what he was all about. And so they began to follow John the Baptist for a short period of time. And at this time, people believed that John the Baptist was the Messiah. They, they just knew that he was what they'd waited for. And so prior to this verse, they are two of the ones sitting there, and John the Baptist sees Jesus coming from a distance, and he says, no, I'm not the one that you want. He is the one that you want. He's the Son of God. And so then we pick up in verse number 35. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, being John and Andrew. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God, the second time that he's seen him. And the two disciples heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. And so they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him for for that day, for it was about the tenth hour. 
One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida and uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. So we have the formation of the disciples taking place in these verses that we read. And it's not some miraculous thing that Jesus did in front of them that caused them to come. There was one simple act that took place, an invitation. An invitation is the one simple act that took place. If, if we didn't know that was the narrative to how they formed to be who they were, we would think it was some pervasive or, I mean, excuse me, some persuasive argument or some intellectual conversation that all of a sudden they heard it and they go, yeah, that's who Jesus is. Now I have to follow him. But it was just simply an invitation, right? An invitation was a simple thing that drew them. You're probably asking yourself, is evangelism really that simple? It really is. Evangelism is inviting. Evangelism is asking someone to come see Jesus because of some crazy encounter that you had or some impactful experience. So many times we are so hesitant to even sh share Jesus with someone because we don't know where to start. And we find Simon Peter encountering Jesus through one simple thing. Come and see. And I know our fear is if we go into the community, we go, hey, you got to come see Jesus at Goldie Springs. People go, what good can come from Goldie Springs? And then we open the door to go, come and see. An invitation is the simplicity of what evangelism is. It creates an opportunity for us to share our faith through a group gathering. And what it also begins to do is form a culture inside of us where it becomes easier and easier to talk about Jesus. Because evangelism is simply an invitation. Evangelism is looking someone who needs help, who's hopeless, and going, I got exactly what you need. Just come with me to my church, and I want to experience it with you. Uh, we have an event coming on August the 20th. And I hope that you have been thinking of friends to invite as we come closer to that date. And I've ordered some invite cards, and I hope they're here next week because I want you to be able to place something in someone's hand when you invite them. Um, but while this event kind of kicks off a purposeful opportunity to, for you to invite friends, what I really hope is it begins to stir inside of you to see how easy evangelism is. That evangelism is handing a card to a friend of yours and say, you've got to come check church out with me. Evangelism is paying for your drink at the Tom Thumb and telling the person checking you out, going, hey, if you don't have anywhere, I'd love for you to come with me to my church and see what things are. Evangelism is as simply as looking at your family in a gathering and going, I would love for you guys to come experience church with me. 
Evangelism is knowing that the Messiah is present here each and every Sunday and saying, you have to come experience what happens when you see Jesus face to face. Lifeway did a study recently, and they found that 9 out of 10 unchurched people said they would attend church if they were just simply invited. It's a sobering thing to hear. 9 out of 10 unchurched people that they used in their research said, if somebody would invite me, I would go. Because everybody wants to feel included. Like, I don't want to show up to a place I don't know anybody. So if you invite me, I'll go. But if left to go on my own, it's easier to stay at home. Nine out of ten people. Ninety-three percent of the people said, if somebody would invite me, I would attend. So it's my job to make sure you have the resources in place to make this happen. But it's also our job to realize how simple evangelism is. We want people to enter these doors because we want them to feel loved and we want them to see what a church family feels like. Unfortunately, the negativity that you hear with church in general begins to kind of mold people into a harshness towards a church. But when you go to them and go, no, this isn't us. That's not who we are. Come experience it for yourself. Begin to create opportunities of evangelism in people's life. I believe health-wise our church is healthier than it's ever been. We're developing a clearer vision moving forward. We're placing the right people in the right places to serve. And we're improving our family-focused ministries. I believe in the next six months we're going to look back at our church and go, man, what an amazing transformation has taken place. But it starts with inviting people. Inviting. Just telling them, you have to come. Andrew... He does nothing crazy to get his brother Peter to Jesus. He just tells him about his encounter with Jesus. He says, Peter, you've got to come see it. He doesn't say to him, man, you won't believe this. I was standing there. Jesus made this bird appear out of nowhere. It was like a magic trick. It was incredible. He just said, you have to come see. We've been waiting 400 years from the promise of Malachi that a Messiah was coming. And I believe this is him. They've heard nothing from God in 400 years. And now all of a sudden he says, the Messiah is here. You have to come see him. I know that your marriage is struggling, but you've got to come see him. I know that you're struggling in your finances, but you've got to come see him. I know that church hurts you in the past, but you've got to come see Jesus. You've heard nothing from him for all these years, but I'm telling you, if you will just come, you'll see him and he'll change your life. And Peter, whether he went willingly or reluctantly, we don't know. Peter had an interesting personality. I think, though, he probably showed up excited, thinking, I'm going to see what my brother has promised him. And immediately he comes face to face with Jesus. And Jesus already speaks into his life and says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change your name. You've always been known as Simon. That's awesome. But I'm going to change it to Seth. I'm going to change your name to Peter because you're a rock. I can see that in you. Next week, when we look at evangelism, we're going to look at the impact of bringing people to Jesus. But we see it here unfolded when Peter encounters him. The first thing that Jesus says is, I know who you are. I know who you think you are. I know what people say you are. But I know who you're going to be. And Jesus speaks into his life in that moment. Peter then becomes the primary leader of all the disciples and the foundation of the Christian church through his evangelism and acts. One simple invitation turned into the foundation of the Christian church. Last week, 
We read out of Acts when Peter preaches his powerful sermon after the Holy Spirit comes and 3,000 people give their life to Christ. And it started with an invitation. An invitation three and a half years prior to that led to 3,000 people giving their life to Christ at an altar call. What our words do, what our impact is through just inviting people cannot be measured in one simple moment. It may take three and a half years before you ever see the fruit of it. You may never see the fruit of it. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he says, yeah, I know that I told you things, and Apollos has come behind me, and he's watered it, but it's God who reaps the harvest. You never know the impact of an invitation if you never, ever give the invitation. You don't know that there's not an Apollos who's coming behind you and says, yeah, what they said is true. Let me help you grow a little bit in that. And you never know when we stand before Jesus in eternity when he doesn't begin to show us and go, because you invited this person, their life was forever changed. You know, we read of another guy there in John 1 who is the one doing the invite, and his name is Philip. And Philip then invites Nathaniel to come and see Jesus. And his invitation did not stop there. If you read the book of Acts chapter number 8, you read countless times through there, that, that Philip is inviting people to Jesus through preaching. And first he begins to witness to a magician named Simon. And he kind of puts a lot aside that lifestyle and he begins to follow Jesus. And, and the writer of Acts, Luke, he says to us that countless men and women were baptized into the faith that day. And then we fast forward a little bit lower and, and he encounters another man. And Philip begins to share with him about Jesus. And he's like, look, there's some water right there. I'll baptize you right now. It was an invitation. He was saying, you got to see and experience this Jesus that I've come to know. The power of evangelism is the power of an invitation. It's in love looking at a family member or a coworker and, and inviting them. It's the greatest act of love you can ever do. But invitation means nothing if it isn't accompanied with prayer. Because evangelism apart from prayer is just fruitless words. If I never pray for those I care about. And I never pray for those I encounter every single day. When I speak to them, it's just fruitless words. Prayer apart from evangelism and evangelism apart from prayer do not, co do not work uh, separately. So before, during, and after the invitation of someone, there should be prayer. But why pray when it comes to evangelism? I want to tell you six reasons that we pray when it comes to evangelism. One is that when we pray... It gives us the knowledge of God. The most important reason we need to pray is not just to evangelize, rather it is to get to know God. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus tells us in a connection with him, in an abiding relationship with him, which we know to be as prayer, when we abide in him, that we can do amazing things, but apart from him, we can do nothing. So prayer is important because we know the God that we evangelize about. Number two, it was a release of the laborers. Jesus looks at this field and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Then he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so we know that the harvest comes from laborers and laborers come through us praying. Praying for other evangelists. Number three, prayer prepares us to receive an answer. Prayer begins to elevate us into a spiritual level of God where we can then hear from him. And so prayer elevates us to receive an answer. Number four, the fruit 
the fruits are lasting. Souls won through prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit are different from souls won out of human, in, uh, human logic and wisdom. Jesus said in John 3, 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The fruits are lasting. In order to evangelize for someone, we have to pray for that person. And number five, we can also evangelize by praying for people. Our first step in evangelism is praying for a person. Right? Do you know what will happen when we begin to really pray for our friends, neighbors, and family? Do you know what? Do you know how they'll feel when we ask them, what can we pray for them about? Do you know what a testimony it will be when they receive answers to our prayers? Prayer is not just an indirect tool with evangelism. We can also evangelize by praying. And then number six, the example of Jesus. Jesus prayed and preached the gospel. It was his habit to wake up a great while before it was day and then go into solitary and places to pray. He often separated himself to be alone with God. If Jesus, being the Son of God, needed to spend so much time in prayer, how much more do we need to spend time with God? Evangelism and prayer go hand in hand. If you have three people that you've already identified, I'm going to invite them on August the 20th then your prayer for them starts now. It doesn't start that morning when you go, I hope they show up. God, make sure that they show up today. It doesn't start if they show up and go, God, let whatever they heard today impact their life. It starts today. Today is the day that you start praying for them. Today is the day that you start your evangelism to them. The invitation is just the, the physical act of evangelism. Prayer is the spiritual act of what evangelism is. Evangelism is a lot of things. But the simplicity of it is this. We surround lost people in prayer and we invite them. That's how easy evangelism really is. It isn't you knowing every single one of the Beatitudes in order to share your faith with them. It's not you being able to quote 25 verses to convert them. It's simply praying, loving, and inviting. If you can do those things, you can evangelize. There shouldn't be a reason that 9 out of 10 people in our community say, I don't go to church because nobody invites me. We invite because we love. We invite because we care. We invite because we know they can find change here. And so today I want to try something just a little different at the conclusion of our church. Um, this whole series is a build up to August the 20th. As a matter of fact, it'll, it'll end the week prior to August the 20th. And what I hope is doing is preparing us to become evangelists, preparing us for what's going to happen on August the 20th, and preparing for those who will come so we can be ready for that encounter. And so I want to ask something a little different. Instead of doing a typical close at the end of our service, I want to invite you to do something with me this morning. I want us to take five minutes at the altar this morning, and I want us to pray for three people that we're going to invite. It's that simple. You can pray for them. Call them by name to God. Call what you know they're going through out to God. Let God know that you want to be the one that stands in the gap and an accessory prayer for them. Just pray for them. Lift them up. That's all that we are required to do when it comes to loving people is praying and inviting. This morning, we're going to take the first step. We're going to pray. At the end of five minutes, I'll come back up. I'll close us in prayer, and we'll go on about our day. But uh, I want us to take just a brief moment. If you would, come with me this morning to the altar. We'll spend five minutes in prayer for three people in preparation of them coming to me. So I invite you, please come forward this morning. And then at the end of that, I'll come up and close this out. Um.
in overall praying, uh, prayer. God, we're so thankful that you loved us. God, that we have been gathered as lost sheep back into the fold. And God, with the gratitude that we feel for your grace in our life, Lord, help us to be the ones who express that in public. God, help us to 
encounter people with love, that we are constantly lifting those up that we are in contact with in prayer. And God, that we can overcome any fear, anxiety that we feel that comes with evangelism. God, that we will see the simplicity of just inviting someone. God, that we're just opening the door into their life, that you can come in and begin to do a mighty work. God, we, we're quick to invite someone to some party or some celebration. And God, you've given us the greatest reward at the end of this life if we believe in you. So God, let us invite people to that eternity every single day. That our actions would overcome the very thing the enemy speaks into our life. That you give us power in evangelism and you give us, God, encouragement through that. And more importantly, God, that you reap such an amazing harvest. And I pray for each and every person here that you would begin to do something mighty in their life, God. That they would be able to overcome those doubts and fears they have and that you would begin to work through them. God, we know the only way our church will grow is through us being willing to put ourselves out there and share your hope and love with people that we create an atmosphere within our church of, of evangelism and love and encouragement. Help us be facilitators of that. I bless each and every person this week as they go about their day, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would continue to encourage them, and you would bring us back, God, for more of you on Wednesday night. We love you and we thank you and give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. My challenge this week is that you would find one person. And just invite one person this week. Pray for the people you're inviting on the 20th. Invite one person this week.